Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 73, produced 5 October 2020. It is a magnet to serious walkers from around the world. It's been voted one of the top 10 outdoor attractions in the world by no less than National Geographic. It is a long distance signposted route of 96 miles from Glasgow to Fort William, from the Scottish Lowlands to the Highlands. It is the West Highland Way, and it turns 40 years old today, 6 October, 2020. What's it like to walk the West Highland Way? I'm Glenn Moyer, and in a moment, we'll make that journey across Scotland, virtually, of course, by chatting with a man who's just recently done those 96 miles to celebrate the trail's 40th birthday, as well as his own. So get ready. It's time to hit the trail here under the tartan sky. Are you .scot yet? .scot is the domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish Government and Parliament, the National Health Service in Scotland and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. .scot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then .scot is for you. Best of all, it's easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name, and you're off and running. And, by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blather, our email service will help you do that too. .scot. Be part of it. The West Highland Way is Scotland's first long-distance walking trail. It was envisioned and proposed by the late Tom Hunter, a lover of the outdoors who saw the West Highland Way and other long-distance walks as a means to encourage Scots to get out and connect with nature and to protect the natural environment from overdevelopment. Today, the walk is a top tourist attraction and an economic boon to Scotland and especially those businesses along the way that provide essential services for the thousands upon thousands of locals and international tourists who hit the trail each year. The path is estimated to generate more than five million pounds annually for the local economies. The West Highland Way offers a variety of walking surfaces and includes parts of ancient roads, including drovers' roads, old coaching routes, and even military roads dating back to the Jacobite uprisings. It's commonly walked in seven to eight days, but can be done in far less, five or six days, for example, and Tom Hunter, well, he once walked it in three days. The route can be tackled in a variety of manners, depending on your fitness level. You can strike out with a rucksack and a tent camping along the way, or you can divide the route in the daily hikes with accommodations at the end of each day's walk. There are even services that will transport your luggage for you from stop to stop, so you might need as little as a solid pair of walking boots and perhaps a sturdy shillelagh or walking stick. 
Kim Kerside is a Dane living in Scotland. I note that for those who, upon hearing his voice in a few moments, will remark, wait, that's no a Scottish accent. Well, Kim initially moved to London 20 years ago on a study break, having been training in the furniture and cabinetry making business. His plan was to return to Denmark six months later and continue his studies. But then he met and fell in love with a Scottish lass, Pauline. The two were married and have made their home in Scotland for the past 15 years now. They have a beautiful five-year-old daughter, Freya, and a soon-to-be two-year-old son, Carson. Professionally, Kim is, in essence, an ambassador for Scotland and the city of Edinburgh. He works at the Edinburgh International Conference Centre, and in his role seeks to attract nonprofit and charitable organizations to hold their conferences, conventions, exhibitions, and the like within the city of Edinburgh. Kim is also a travel blogger and photographer who especially enjoys sharing the beauty of the city of Edinburgh on his social media channels. In the interest of transparency, Kim is also a personal friend. We were introduced online about five years ago by a mutual friend in Scotland, and we met some three years ago at a weekly or social gathering that I held for a variety of Scottish blogging friends on one of my many earlier trips to Scotland. I first learned of and followed Kim's trek along the West Highland Way through his social media. With the timing so close to the 40th anniversary of the trail, I reached out to chat with him about his experience, not knowing that his walk carried with it its own personal 40th significance. And that's a fact that I learned when I asked the rather obvious question, why on earth take on a 96-mile walk at this stage in your life? It's something I have dreamed about i suppose from my perspective for a reasonably long time at least sort of at least the last 10 years um i think the timing around the anniversary coincidental to some respect uh, realizing that it's 40 years for them too for me it turns out even more of an ideal opportunity to do the walk and, and celebrate in a way my 40th birthday a little bit early but it was, certainly was a treat to do it around their anniversary also um so the timing also, it's obviously been a, 2020 has been an unusual and a difficult year in, in many respects from many people, myself included, and spent a lot more time outside, cycling, walking, running, etc. And therefore, um, when the opportunity arose to spend time to train and then also to then be able to walk the West Highland Way, the timing just seemed ideal. And then finding out that it's their 40th anniversary for me, just felt perfect that I can actually celebrate my 40th pretty much alongside the, the West Highland Way, celebrating their 40th anniversary. So it was sort of a birthday present to yourself then? It really was. It really was. Um, I think it, yeah, obviously, it, some people say it's not quite a holiday and it's not quite a, a treat, but no, it, it, it is, I would say, a treat in many respects um, in terms of everything you see and you do. In the lead up to it, the practice of training, but obviously the journey itself, that the walk itself. When did you actually decide, okay, this is going to be the year, I'm going to do it. And then I guess where I'm going with this is how far out in advance did you then really start the detailed planning? And I want to get into the training that you did. So it was this something you just decided to do on a Saturday and went out the following Friday and accomplished it? Or was this a long-term project? No, uh, for me, certainly it's not. Um, the training I had because of um 2020 and what the year has been like um i've been at home so much more i've been spending time as i said walking cycling anyway 
Um, but the, the decision to do it was only about a few months out, in all honesty. So the t- decision to actually go, I can do this. I feel fit enough. Um, the planning, obviously, which goes into it uh, is reasonably short noticed. But I have a lot of walking gear anyway. Uh, I had to buy myself a new lightweight smaller tent and a new pair of shoes. But that was pretty much about it. Everything else I had. Um, but always it was training. And that was uh, beginning of July, late June, beginning of July 2020 is when I d- made the decision, I'm going to do this. I'm going to basically focus my mind, have a goal to work towards and then do this walk uh, mid, mid-September. Walking is not something that is unusual for you because I know following you on Twitter, you often walk to work every day and we're always posting photographs as you walk through Edinburgh. So being outdoors was somewhat natural for you. You are an outdoorsy type of person, are you not? I am. No, I, I do. I, I thoroughly enjoy being in the outdoors and it's something in my spare time whenever possible. As you said, you'll see on, on social media, um, if I can go for walks, go out to do photography, um, spot yeah wildlife sunrise sunsets or even yeah even just going for, go for long wanders around the city um, has has been a pleasure I've been walking as you said to work yeah for the last probably just about a year and a half so two or three days a week do a, a five mile walk into work um, or certainly until lockdown I was doing and that was great being able to do that yes you get up early but you come in refreshed and ready for a day ahead having done your 10,000 steps before half past eight in the morning um, <laughs> that feels it feels great and every so often I would take in the hike up to Arthur's seat. So I would go via, it took an hour extra, but I would uh, go up and see the sunrise as I sat at the top of Arthur's seat. Um, you'd see that rise in the east over East Lothian and, and you see all hitting, hitting basically the, the golden light, hitting all the colors of the city, like the cityscape basically. Um, as you sit up there, obviously you'll see the light hitting the castle and all the Royal Mile buildings. Um, and then, yeah, make my way down and be in the office for, for half past eight. So it's a it's a nice way to take in and take in the outside and and make it and a day of it almost before you start your day. I've seen many of the photos you've posted of your walks along the beach there in Portobello, and and I'm always impressed because I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> even though, and, and I understand your joy and and the beauty of seeing the sunrise. When I was actively flying balloons, uh, I would we would be up before sunrise and launching shortly after. Uh, and those were glorious mornings. But as a routine, I'm not up to greet the sunrise. I'm much more apt to enjoy the sunset. <laughs> yeah, I, most, I like most, I think, Lynn. I think you're, you're not the only one, that's for sure. Um, which is why many people enjoy following and watching it because they don't have to get up themselves. I'm there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're my sunrise ombudsman, and I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Very welcome. It's, a, it's my. It literally is my pleasure. Well, now a five mile walk to work is not a ninety six mile hike across Scotland. So, what kind of training did you go into, and did you feel you needed to put yourself through in order to get ready to accomplish the West Highland Way? Yes, the the walking I would then I have been doing. Um, I then started. I downloaded an app called Strava, which I hadn't used until doing this. I knew friends have been doing it for running and cycling, but for me to be able to keep tab on the the pace i was doing the distance and and also just uh keep keep note of yeah, how i was getting on with my training uh, i downloaded an app and then basically start doing slightly more long distance walking not long distance necessarily but you sort of 10 15k walks um and i could we have a field literally behind the house where we are and i walked yeah walked around that four times and uh, came home and that was my 10k done 
Um, it was it was a nice and reasonably easy one, certainly even to get out for evening walks. Um, when the kids were in bed, I'll be out doing the walk, and it was getting lighter evenings over the summer. And then after first or second time when I started practicing, I started carrying a rucksack, and that was very much part of it, making sure I was starting to carry weight to get used to having a rucksack on my shoulders and, and just carry weight around with my walking sticks. Walking sticks I would always highly recommend. Um, very often have people laughing at me because I'll wander up and down the streets or anywhere with my walking sticks. But for me, that has been the God, godsend having that for my knees and even just for my upper bodies to help carry, particularly when you are carrying heavier weight. But yes, it's been um, about two months out. I started carrying, as I said, rucksacks and focusing on doing slightly longer walks. Um, numerous of times I would have been up at sort of four or five in the mornings going out for three, four or five hour walk. Um, to get some practice in when I had the time. And I definitely think those mornings and those days I had done those had helped. Even walking into Arthur's seat from the house and walked around that a few times. Um, we were talking sort of 20 or 30 kilometer walks. Um, and you get a good ascent in there as well. So you walk uphill. It's a reasonably steep hill. It's not too bad. But yeah, when you do it sort of three or four times, it definitely uh, gets the blood flowing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice nice way to get some exercise in locally without me traveling any further distance so i did all my training locally not any high hills but yeah even going up arthur seat and, and the likes some of that may have been problematic wasn't it because for much of this year because of the pandemic you were what required i think to any exercise you did outdoors had to, you had to remain within what five kilometers of your home right or five miles within five, five miles, miles. Home, but uh, a maximum of an hour a day for several months i think it was forget i I forget how long it was but it seemed like longer but certainly for a while um it was within yeah five miles of your home and within maximum of an hour uh, exercise a day um so i can try to do that as and when possible uh early morning to sort of get my walks in uh, even just to get out anyway clear my head for the day ahead or whatever it may have been um try to make it out and then literally very lucky very fortunate to have field behind us. We have a small river or like a burn, um, five minutes walk from here where you can walk around with lots of wildlife, um, the river flowing past and it's really quite peaceful and it's a nice way to get out and do your daily exercise. So I've been making a lot of use of that, both myself, but also with the family. Often at lunch times, if it was, I would uh, get Carson in the carrier. So we have a, a little baby carrier, which you may have seen on social media as well, get him in there. And that was kind of, I guess, uh, leading up to the practice as well. It's been great having him um, in the backpack and being able to practice carrying him around for, say, an hour an hour at lunchtime because he wasn't quite as heavy as a backpack, but uh, the last few months certainly has uh, has gained gained more and become similar to the, the weight of my backpack. So I had yeah, been good training and good practice having, having that even uh, along with my sort of more formal training that I had done. You talked about having to buy a new tent, a new lightweight tent. So when it came down to packing that rucksack for the walk, what kind of gear did you take with you? Because you chose, and we'll get into this more in just a few minutes, but you made the choice to wild camp along the way. So what types of gear were you putting into that rucksack? A lot. Not not the best person at packing very light, but uh, I try. I try. Uh, hence, hence carrying a, a heavy bag. But I had, as I said, I had most of my gear. Um, already it wasn't very very lightweight or ultra lightweight um it's gear i've had for a long time so my rucksacks my sleeping bag i know people who go out and who spend a lot of money on buying 
ultra lightweight um, tent sleeping bags etc um, where they weigh next next to nothing but it does you're talking many hundreds of pounds of thousands to get really 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 good gear so i i took what i had um yeah my sleeping bag i've had for years i had a, a self-inflating mat to sleep on um and then all your like sort of food so various like dried foods snacks um and a transure basically with fuel you'll co- will, you know, you cook your meals with fuel in this little transure so a little metal cooker uh, which you can cook your, your food in. You can make your hot water for the cups of tea and tea or coffees. Uh, I carried that with the fuel as well. So fitted it all into a bag, but slightly heavier than I, I would have liked. And um, But, yeah, it was basically carrying as much gear. And now for me, it was part of it is to be able to show to myself that I could do that. It was part of the training also. I wanted to make sure that I was training enough. The heaviest I was carrying when I was practicing was about, 15 or 16 kilograms um the bag ended up being heavier during the walk but i wanted to make sure i at least practice to carry with a reasonably heavy bag but a lot of it yes it was gear i had so all your standard cooking equipment uh, clothes and weather for, uh, clothes fall weather is obviously being in scotland <laughs> you'd never yeah you, you never know what, what to expect my walk turned out incredibly good wall-to-wall sunshine pretty much for four out of six six days couldn't have asked for any better albeit it becomes incredibly hot if you're walking in in such warm weather with a very heavy bag obviously but you have to bring your waterproof you have to bring warm clothes you have to bring your long long johns because it was literally freezing at night so you have to bring extra pair of socks for sleeping in a tent at night because yeah it, it was beautiful but your clear blue sky during the day and your clear sort of moonlit and, and stars at night type type evenings which does really, when you do while camping it becomes incredibly cold i want to get into um some of the sites that you saw along the way but the one thing you didn't mention in all your gear what do you do about water on the walk yeah sorry yes of course um so i only i carried about probably a liter and a half of water or so at all times there is a number of points uh, there is a scottish water has has provided a a point uh, at Melngai in Glasgow where you start off and then when you finish in, in Fort William there's sort of two starting and end points uh, where there's taps provided by them but along the route there's numerous of taps but also as soon as you get further north um, up by the banks of Loch Lomond there are, you, you, you can pick up water basically from the streams or like higher up streams you still need to be careful um, but I yeah I would quite happily drink from many of the, the streams and fill up my bottles along the route but obviously, when it comes to campsites and the likes, there there is water uh, there that you can pick up. So the couple of nights I was in a campsite, made sure I filled up there. But otherwise, yeah, filled literally filled up my my water bottles in, in fast flowing streams um, along the route. And uh, had I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures, but yeah, I had what I call my my shower, so filling the cap with water and pouring that over my head, which is very nice in about twenty degrees heat, or twenty degrees <laughs> Celsius, I should say, heat. Not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but yeah, certainly it was very, very hot here. And uh, getting a nice cap of of cold Scottish water thrown at you um, was a was a joy. It was a pleasure. I bet it was. I was looking today online, and the route is basically broken up into eight segments of roughly 
nine to 15 miles. Um, now it, it's, it mentions it, their website mentions it's not necessarily meant that that be each day's hike, but you're, you're talking about in your training doing uh, walks of, of 10, 15, 20 kilometers. And, and these routes break out into like 14 to 24 kilometers. So what was your time frame? How many days did it take? And what was your average distance that you tried to accomplish each day then? My initial thought, um, and that's, yeah, it initially set out thinking I could, it could be done in five days, which it can be done in five days, but uh, that, would, that would be very, very hard and all slightly underestimated uh, the walk up beside the banks of Rock Lomond, um, which is why I had to extend by, by an additional day and make it the sixth day um, for the journey. It, uh, my walks were between, tw- I'd say, 15 and 20 miles, so between. 20 plus kilometers and 30, 32, 33 kilometers per day, at least eight, more like nine hours walking per day, plus breaks. Um, so quite a substantial amount of walking, particularly in parts of the route when you were literally walking maybe one kilometer an hour because the the path were very slow, very rocky, filled with trees, filled with roots. You had to be careful you didn't slip on and, and so on and so forth. And, oh, yes, the ascent going up hills etc or even going downhill so uh, a lot to take into consideration when you think about doing sort of 20 or 30 kilometers as it were in a, in a day it obviously is a fair is a fair distance that brings up another point that I was reading uh, about the West Highland Way, and that is, um, it's a it's basically a north to south track, and they recommend that you take it north to south because the terrain um, where you begin is relatively mild. South to north, south to north, south to north. I'm sorry, south to north, uh, because the terrain in the south is is very mild. There is a significant rise, uh, and in both altitude and level of difficulty in the terrain, the further north you go. So I, I know that you started out and you did it south to north. Did you find that going that direction was the better option, that those early days of walking on, on more or less milder, shall we say, terrain proved beneficial when you got toward the end when things got a little tougher? In all honesty, actually, day two was probably the toughest walk. Um, really? By by beside the banks of Loch Lomond. Day one, it's it as you said, it, you come out Melangai and you walk along up towards uh, Drimmond uh, to basically what is the south of Loch Lomond, or sort of the south southeast of Loch Lomond, and you then hit a hill called Conic Hill, which is about three hundred knot meters um, high above sea level. So, like the first certainly the first sort of twenty kilometers or so, um, it's it's pretty flat and reasonably straightforward walking i would say mostly path but some some on on the road there's lots of little sort of um honesty shops almost if you may honesty boxes along the way and a few cafes to pick up uh, snacks etc it actually works really well um getting into the routine or the roll of things for the first day Uh, you hit conic hill yeah that's uh not too bad i felt not too bad getting up but my god going down it um that was interesting so you come down you Come up the very top of it, you turn the corner, and you basically then really see the sheer size of Loch Lomond as you come to the top of Conic Hill. And you then start the descent going down towards a little village called Balmahar at the bottom. But yeah, the step, even for me being six foot six tall, about two meters tall, some of the steps going down there were quite hardy going. And well, you've already done 20 or so kilometers that day, and having to do another kilometer and a bit down, um, and then further beyond that to your campsite is certainly. Even on the first day, it definitely um, 
it, it tests your your strength, if you may, or your patience also for, for walking uh, or your stamina, if you may. But uh, yeah, the, the day one was not too bad. Day two, but yeah, day two by the banks of Loughrum and um, there's a certain section, the last top section, the last 10 kilometers I was, I was doing at the top. It's very hard going because the path is very, very slow. It's literally parts of it is crawling or it's sliding down the side of small rocks, etc., cetera, uh, to try and get past on the route. So, um, yeah, it's the first part you would think would be nice and flat and walking with it to some extent is, but there is also very tough parts. But for me, yeah, doing it south to north, I had heard from a lot of people would be the, the best way. And vast majority of people um, met on a route did uh, south to north route. A few did it uh, the opposite direction. But I think leading into the, the very far north and getting you ready for what it brings, um, definitely it was the right decision to, to walk from, from Mangai to, to Fort William. And we probably need to make it clear for people who, who don't have an idea, who maybe are hearing about the West Highland Way for the first time, this is not a cement path. This isn't walking a sidewalk. This is a wilderness trail. Yeah. Um, oh, a lot of it. That is uh, some parts of it, which is, uh, as I mentioned on road, some parts of, parts of it, when you come to uh, Bridge of Orkey, which is coming in towards the, the proper, as we call, highlands of Scotland, um, where you have Telford had done a path basically it's basically as if you're walking on um, I'm trying to think what you call them almost like cobbles or, or such like uh, boulders or cup, uh, yeah, cobbles for miles and miles and that wasn't the most pleasurable walk in terms of for the feet for the scenery walking up from Lotala north of Britavorki to Rannachmore into Glencoe was stunning breathtaking like from the scenery perspective you could it, it was amazing and the weather that was that i had during the walk wall-to-wall sunshine just made it absolutely stunning but uh yeah there what you had under underfoot so to speak in, particularly in very large boots was was pretty hard going from that respect so again it just made it that bit harder and kind of slowed you down i think on each night you actually chose to wild camp is it possible to do this walk and find accommodation for each evening, i.e. walk and then spend the night in a, in a nice, soft, comfortable bed in a B&B somewhere, uh, and then get up and continue the walk the next day? Or is a certain amount of camping required in order to do the full 96 miles? That's great. I certainly chose to, to camp the whole way, and that was, again, part of the experience. I may do, when I turn 50, and the West Highway turns 50, I might, I might consider again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, a, that's for, that's for a talk in 10 years' time, Glenn. We'll, uh, yeah. But... Um, for this, yeah, for if, if if anyone is looking to do the walk and wanting to do it more comfortably, it can be done with luggage transfers. So there is companies taking luggage for you and you can have it dropped off at various sites. Um, I haven't actually looked at uh, yeah, how many days it, it would take and which kind of accommodation, but I'm from looking at it before and, and knowing the route, fairly certain, um, and I don't know how many days it would take, but yes, there would be accommodation in one way or another. So you're talking anything, as you said, from B&Bs to hotels, wigwams, um, that sort of style of any, as long as you are prepared to go into any style of accommodation almost, there, there would be a bed. Um, some days you'll need to walk further than others, but there would be the opportunity to have a bed uh, for the night and a, and a warm shower type thing, um, which I even I personally managed to have that having stayed a couple of nights in, in uh, campsites even. There's more to this trip than just 
taking a walk outdoors, you get to go walk across and take in some of the most scenic areas of Scotland. Tell us a little bit about that. What were some of the sites that that stick with you even now that you know you've done and completed this that that uh, made an impression on you? That um, what were some of the more stunning moments that you enjoyed on the walk? Yes, I think even even though it'd be and I've seen it many times before, seeing Loch Lomond as you walk up towards Drummond, um, which is just as I said south of Loch Lomond before you come to the Conic Hill, uh, you walk along the road there itself. And you literally come to the top of a little hill and you can then all of a sudden you get the view of Loch Lomond. From before then you're kind of walking in, in, in forest paths and fields and, and sort of beside roads, etc. But the moment you come up there and you see Loch Lomond, it kind of dawns on you that this is it. You're, you're kind of starting to walk here. And um, next stop for William almost, it, it's sort of that, that feeling. Um, so that moment, definitely seeing Loch Lomond there and just knowing this is it, that's next. And also the fact that, oh, God, I've got another 15 kilometers to walk. Um, <laughs> yeah, that the moment there. And then the obvious one would be the one, as I mentioned, walking through Rannachmuir that day was breathtaking, absolutely stunning. You walk up towards Glen Cole, you turn the corner, and then you, you basically see and we, like the, the weather, as I mentioned, was incredible. So coming up to Glen Cole about just around the time of sunset, maybe an hour and a bit before or so, um, and these sort of the, the colors start to hit all the hills as you walk in. If anyone is familiar with Glencoe, you have to, the mountain range, or you have the Brickle Etts of Moor uh, sitting sort of in the heart near the King's House Hotel, which is a very famous hotel in the center of. Yes, Cole. yes, I've been there. Um, you kind of turn the corner and yeah, you see the King's House Hotel in the distance. Brickle Etts of Moor comes up, and it was, yeah, for that, uh, that sort of moment of reality, you know, just realizing what you're walking into, just kind of. It literally takes your breath away. And having a, even before then, as walking through the Rannoch Muir, there was a couple of people on gliders, like literally flying through over the hills, just looked, yeah, it, it looked pretty special. Um, so moments like those, of which there were many, but um, that certainly were some of the ones that, that really blew me away. But then even walking up, yeah, with Kinloch Leven, um, a very, very long walk, you know, walked up, the morning after leaving Glencoe and, and the campsite there, or the camp, camping spot, it was just outside King's House, um, maybe a half a kilometre away from, from all the crowds. So to get away from the crowds, a bit of a more of a private spot. But um, you know, walk up what's called a devil's staircase. So it's, a lot of people say it's like the hardest walk. You have this sort of two kilometres so or walk up a hill. But it wasn't too bad, thankfully, on, on fresh legs in the morning. But then having the quite spectacular walk through the hills and you sort of, yeah, you basically see Ben Nevis in the distance as you come around by Kinloch Leven and then walking around and sort of seeing, just seeing all the mountain ranges there and still seeing parts of Running Muir. It, it, it was just really, yeah, really quite special. But it's it's really hard to pinpoint one moment, but there are so many of them as you sure. walk around. And, and then the part, part of it also with the, na- the nature aspect when you see a number of red squirrels, you walk up beside Loch Lomond and you see wild goats, or even if the case may be, you smell wild goats because they absolutely stink. Excuse the language. <laughs> you can literally, um, not quite a mile off, but quite a fair distance off, uh, but they come very, very close. And they, they obviously are used to there being people walking along the path, albeit I didn't stop for very long because they don't look like they'll be friendly, but they seemed all right. And uh, they let me, let me walk past. But yeah, you see the red squirrels, you see the wild goats and, and all the other wildlife that comes with it. Um, for all of it, it, it makes for, 
for the experience, of course. Well, a quick tangent, I will say that the King's House is a, has a favorite place in my heart because I had my first uh, haggis, neeps, and tatties at the King's House on my first trip to Scotland back in 2014. So um, did there ever come a time when, during the walk, that you just said, you know what, <laughs> to heck with this, you know, 40th birthday or not, I'm done, I want my bed, uh, you know, <laughs> I want a warm shower, I'm going home. <laughs> was there ever a moment when you just thought you were going to chuck it all? It, it was, and it was probably about five kilometers or so before finishing the second day. Um, the walk up beside the, the banks of what Roman at the very top of, of what Roman, um, as I said, it was probably, I think, the longest day as well in terms of both time and also distance. Um, the first 20 or so kilometers were not too bad, uh, but yeah, the last 10 kilometers or so, the path was tough. It was really tough going, it was really hot, um, and it, yeah, I was still walking. When the sun set behind the hills, whenever that was, I can't even remember the time now, but with, uh, I did a small video, and even with the sun setting behind the hills and it's getting time to get dark, I still had an hour to go before reaching the campsite. And, um, yeah, you sort of go, oh, geez, wow. And, and just looking at what the path is like. Um, no, you do. That was, that, I think, the lowest, if you're, if you're allowed to say that, the lowest moment, like the hardest moment. Um, yeah was that moment in time those sort of last that last couple of hours or that last hour or so walking there before reaching the camp reaching the campsite pretty much in dark as the sun had set having to pitch it being pretty dark outside not completely dark but very dark um that was that was probably the the hardest moment but then being able to call a family on uh, on video call at night kind of made up for it and <laughs> that's a uh, thank, thankful for the the use of uh yeah, today technology and uh, good Wi-Fi signal across Scotland, it's uh, makes makes up for it sometimes. But no, I, in in terms of the the hardest moments, and I'll say that for me, yes, there was days it was hard going, but that was the moment that was probably the toughest personally, definitely. Um, not quite to go home, but close. It was going. Oh, this was this was hard. This was kind of almost yeah. This was harder than expected. Yeah. Did you find the experience to be more mentally challenging or physically challenging? Probably more physically challenging also, but yeah, more, more physically challenging um, just because of the amount of weight I was carrying as well. And it turned out heavier than I, like the back turned out heavier than I wanted it to have been. And that's just, yeah, it's bad, bad planning in my part and not. And I didn't want to be spending lots and lots of money on, um, as I mentioned earlier, some a lot of people can go out and spend hundreds or even thousands on, on new gear. Um, didn't really want to, and I, I couldn't do that either, um, which is why I had trained to to carry so much or carry more weight than, than usual. And people have said, oh, like 20% of your, your body weight is what you should be carrying. I was doing that, but sometimes I was carrying probably 25 or maybe near 30%, which you definitely shouldn't be doing. But, um, yeah, it was sort of... That was obviously a, a hard part of it. I was looking on the uh, on on the West Highland Way website earlier in preparation for our chat, and I, I noticed that one of the things they're doing to both commemorate this being the 40th anniversary and as a means of fundraising to maintain this the, the way, um, particularly through the years, and particularly in this year when I would assume that usage, the number of people walking it, is probably down somewhat because of the pandemic. But they, they created this special 40th anniversary passport 
that you can have stamped, uh, you know, at places along the way, like entry points along the way, I suppose. I'm just curious, did, did you do that? Do you have that little souvenir from your walk this year? I didn't. <laughs> I should have. And it was, it kind oh, of, no. all, every, everything happened so fast. Because <laughs> I'd only just come back from Denmark the week before. I'd been away on holiday. And um, I don't think I even managed, like the last week, I don't think I even managed to do a training training walk, a formal one, um, because I'd been away on holiday in Denmark. And then we had a camping trip with uh, a couple of friends like the weekend leading up to it. And then I was literally home for two days and then I was leaving. And then the last week or so, yeah, it kind of just flew by. Well, some, something you can you can put in the notes for 10 years from now when you do it again on your 50th. <laughs> I know that's it. Yeah, be more organized. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, tell me, in your opinion, what makes the West Highland Way special? Why do you think it's been around for 40 years? What makes people want to to do a 96-mile trek across Scotland? What's the attraction to the West Highland Way? From, for me, having now done it, I would say, and I, I kind of almost assumed that was going to be the case, it's it's just it's a the most spectacular walk you probably see, I would, I would imagine, um, anywhere in the UK or further afield. Like, I know if you say Scotland's favourite, I would say probably favourite in the UK with the, the change in terrain from starting in the outskirts of Glasgow in sort of almost a city town terrain walking up through the banks of Loch Lomond, famous banks of Loch Lomond, along the path up there, and then seeing all the yeah, wildlife, the nature, the landscapes as you go further north and seeing all these iconic settings and hills and, and buildings, etc. It just, one thing after another, kind of it ticks the boxes, it it gives you a, a wow factor, it blows you away. And I think that's why, I think it's in the medium of 10,000 people a year until 2020 has been doing the walk um, just because of the sheer attraction of of the wow factor of it, and and also obviously it, for many people it must be a it must be a, a per like myself it's a personal challenge. You want to be able to say I have done this. I I challenged myself, set this challenge, and I conquered it. And it, Scotland itself obviously is an incredibly popular tourist destination, and having something like this as a potential holiday opportunity. Um, within easy reach of a city. You could fly in from anywhere in the world to either Edinburgh, Glasgow, and then you can do a walk like this within your sort of week's holiday almost, and it literally would be a, a holiday of a lifetime. My sincere thanks to my good friend Kim Kerside for sharing with us his journey along the West Highland Way as both he and it celebrate their 40th birthdays. As noted in the opening, the West Highland Way turns 40 today as this episode is released on 6 October 2020. And Kim will mark his 40th birthday in just a week from now on the 14th. For more about the West Highland Way, the route, the preparations, the planning, etc., see the links in our show notes on the website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And no matter what app you're using to listen to this episode, let me encourage you to visit that website, since, as we always do, our show notes will include a sampling of the many photographs that Kim captured along his way. You'll also find a link to Kim's personal travel and photography blog and the site where he sells some of his outstanding photography to benefit local COVID-19 charities. Like so many others, I can't wait until lockdowns and travel restrictions can be eased and I can return to Scotland. Until then, I hope this podcast helps you keep the Scot within you alive. Much good news has been happening these past few weeks about the podcast, 
including its addition to the new Amazon Music podcast. Now you can just say, Alexa, play Under the Tartan Sky. We also have a new page on podchaser.com where you can find the current and archived episodes. And while there, the favor of a review would be much appreciated. Finally, I would note that this podcast is and always has been a labor of love, and it is not monetized by any sponsorship or other association except for our affiliate marketing with Angel Share Glass. So if you enjoy the content we provide here, we've now established a site with coffee. That's ko-fi.com forward slash under the tartan sky. There, if you're a mind to do so, you can donate the cost of a cuppa or a coffee to support the podcast. That page again is ko-fi.com forward slash under the tartan sky. Or simply use the thistle pink button found at the top center on our podcast episodes page on the website. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer, Topolave Agus Alpha Gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>